Libro de la Vida Santa Teresa Obras Completas Libro de la Vida Introducción Prólogo Capítulo 1 en que trata como comenzo el Señor a despertar esta alma en su niñez a cosas virtuosas, a la ayuda que es para esto serlo los padres. Capítulo 2 Trata cómo fue perdiendo estas virtudes y lo que importa a la niñez trata con personas virtuosas. Capítulo 3 En que trata cómo fue parte la buena Campaña para tornar a despertar sus deseos. ¿Y por qué manara comenzó el Señor a darle alguna luz del engaño que había traído? Capítulo 4 Desde cómo la ayudó el Señor para forzarse a sí misma para tomar apito y las muchas enfermedades que su majestad la comenzó a dar. Ok, we'll be back. On Loving God St. Bernard of Clairvaux To the dedication To the illustration Oh, this is a beautiful illustration I will put it on the cover of this podcast So you can see it Lord Heimerich Cardinal Deacon of the Roman Church and Chancellor, Bernard, called Abbot of Clairvaux, wishes long life in the Lord and death in the Lord. Hitherto you have been wont to seek prayers from me, not the solving of problems. Although I count myself sufficient for neither, my profession shows that if not my conversation and to speak truth, 
I lack the diligence and the ability that are most essential. Yet, I am glad that you turn again for spiritual counsel, instead of busying yourself about carnal matters. I only wish you had gone to someone better equipped than I. Still, learned and simple, give the same excuse, and one can hardly tell whether it comes from modesty, or from ignorance. Unless obedience to the task assigned shall reveal. So, take from my poverty what I can give you, lest I should seem to play the philosopher by reason of my silence. Only I do not promise to answer other questions you may raise. This one, as to loving God, I will deal with as He shall teach me. For it is the sweetest. It can be handled most safely, and it will be most profitable. Keep the others for wiser men. Period. The end. Chapter one. Why should we love God? In the measure of that love. You want to. You want me to tell you why God is to be loved. And how much? I answer: the reason for loving God is God Himself, and the measure of love due to Him is immeasurable love. Is this plain? Doubtless to a thoughtful man, but. I am debtor to the unwise also. A word to the wise is sufficient. But I must also consider simple folk. Therefore, I set myself joyfully to explain more in detail what is meant above. We are to love God for Himself. Because of a twofold reason, nothing is more reasonable. Nothing is more profitable. When one asks, "Why should I love God?" he may mean, "What is lovely in God?" or What shall I gain by loving God? In either case, the same sufficient cause of love exists, namely, God Himself. At first, of His title to our love, could any title be greater than His, than this, that He gave Himself? For us, 
unworthy wretches. And being God, what better gift could he offer than himself? Hence, if one seeks for God's claim upon our love here, is the chiefest. If one seeks for God's claim upon our love, here is the chiefest. Because he first loved us. You want to cite from the Bible? Sure, here it is. First John 4, 19. Ought he not to be loved in return? When we think who loved, whom he loved, and how much he loved. For who is he that loved? The same of whom every spirit testifies. Quote, Thou art my God. My goods are nothing unto thee. From the Vulgate, Psalms 6, 2, 16, verse 2, sorry. And is not his love that wonderful charity, which, quote, seeketh not her own, unquote? 1 Corinthians 13.5 But for whom was such unutterable love made manifest? The apostles tell us when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. <clears throat> Roman 5.10 So it was God who loved us, loved us freely, and loved us while yet we were enemies. I feel like a song pause. And how great was this love of his? How great? St. John, Yes. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever lasting life. <clears throat> Would you say that? Uh, in my book, John, chapter 316. St. Paul, you got anything to say? Uh, yeah! He spared not his own son, y'all, but delivered him up for us all. Yeah, that's what I said in Romans 8. I said that to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 32. Did Jesus say anything himself? Yes, the son says of himself. <sighs> Greater love hath no man 
than this, that a man lay down his own life for his friends. That's what John said in 1513. This is the claim which God the Holy, the Supreme, the Omnipotent, has upon men, defiled and base and weak. Someone may urge that this is true of mankind, but not of angels. True, since for angels it was not needful. See, he who succoured men in their time of need preserved angels from such need. And even as his love for sinful men wrought wondrously in them so that they should not remain sinful, so that so that same love which in equal measure he poureth out upon angels kept them all together free from sin. End of chapter one. Song break coming up. Chapter 2 On Loving God God, how much God deserves love from man. Chapter 3 
in recognition of his gifts, both maternal, material, sorry, and spiritual, material and spiritual, and how these gifts should be cherished without neglect of the giver. Those who admit the truth of what I have said know, I am sure, why we are bound to love God. But if unbelievers will not grant it, their ingratitude is at once confounded by his innumerable benefits lavished on our race and plainly discerned by the senses. Who is it that gives food to all flesh, light to every eye, air to all that breathe? It would be foolish to begin a catalog since I have just called them innumerable. But I name as notable instances food sunlight, and air. Not because they are God's best gifts, but because they are essential to bodily life. Man must seek in his own higher nature for the highest gifts. And these are dignity, wisdom, and virtue. By dignity, D-W-V. By D-dignity, I mean free will. Huh? Free will whereby he not only re excels all other earthly creatures, but has dominion over them. Wisdom. W. Wisdom is the power whereby he recognizes this Dignity. And, and, recognizes and perceives. Perceives and perceives also. Are you looking at me? You looking? Do you perceive? That it is no accomplishment of his own. And virtue impels man to seek eagerly for him who is man's, capital S, source. And to lay fast hold on him when he has found. And oh, 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 lay fast on him when he has been found. Now, these three best gifts, right, D, W, V, 
have each a twofold character. Twofold each. Dignity. Appears not only as the prerogative, prerogative. There's a song in there of human nature, but also as the cause of the of that fear and dread of man, which is upon every beast of the earth. Wisdom perceives this distinction. Owns that though, in us, it is like all good qualities, not of us. And lastly, virtue moves us to seek eagerly for an author, capital A, alpha, author, and when we have found him. With capital H, teaches us to cling to him with capital H yet more eagerly. Now, consider also that dignity without wisdom is nothing worth, and wisdom is harmful without virtue. As this argument following shows, there is no glory in having a gift. Without knowing it, but to know only that you have it, without knowing that it is not of yourself that you have it, means self-glorying. But no true glory in God. And so, last paragraph. I'm coming. And so, the apostle says to men in such cases, quote, "What hast thou that thou didst not receive?" Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as though? Why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? One Corinthians four seven. Unquote. He asks, "Why dost thou glory?" Question mark. But goes on as if thou hast not received it. Showing that the guilt is not in glorying over a possession, but glorying as though it had not been received, and rightly such glorying is called vain glory. Vain glory. V a i n dash g l o r y. Since it has not the solid. Foundation of truth. Order, order in the court. The apostle shows how to discern the true glory from the false when he says that. When he says, capital H, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That is, to mean, in the truth. Capital. T, since our Lord, capital L, is capital T, truth. Our Lord is truth. Look at one Corinthians, one thirty-one, and John fourteen six, and we will be back with we must know at the end of page four. Bye bye.
And we're back. We must know then what we are, what we are, and that it is not of ourselves that we are what we are. It is not of ourselves that we are what we are. Unless we know this thoroughly, either we shall not glory at all, or our glorying will be vain, V-A-I-N. Finally, it is written, quote, If thou know not, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock. Unquote. Canticles 1 8. And this is right. For man, being in honor, if he know not his own honor, may fitly be compared, because of such ignorance, to the beasts that perish, not knowing himself as the creature that is distinguished from the irrational brutes by the possession of reason, he commences to be confounded with them because, ignorant of his own true glory, which is within, he is led captive by his curiosity and concerns himself with external, sensual things. So he is made to resemble the lower orders by not knowing that he has been more highly endowed than they. We must be on our guard against this ignorance. We must not rank ourselves too low. And with still greater care, we must see that we do not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. As perhaps when we foolishly impute ourselves whatever good may be in us. But far more than either of these kinds of ignorance, we must hate and shun that presumption, which would lead us to glory in goods not our own. Presumption. Knowing that we are not of ourselves, but of God. And yet not fearing to rob God of the honor due to him. For mere ignorance is in the first instance as uh, for mere ignorance, as in the first instance, does not glory at all. And mere wisdom, in the second, while it has a kind of glory, yet does not glory in the Lord. In the third evil case, however, man sins not in ignorance, but deliberately, usurping the glory which belongs to God. And this ignorance, I'm sorry, this arrogance is a more grievous, grievous and deadly fault than the ignorance of the second, since it contempts God. Okay, this is a new word. 
while the other knows him not. One year contends, C-O-N-T-E-M-N-S, since it contemns God while the other knows him not. Ignorance is brutal. Arrogance is devilish. Pride only. The chief of all iniquities, pride only, can make us treat gifts as if they were rightful attributes of our nature, and while receiving benefits, rob our benefactor of his due glory. Wherefore, to dignity and wisdom we must add virtue, the proper fruit of them both. Virtue seeks and finds him who is the author and giver, capital A, capital G, A-G, him who is the author and giver of all good and who must be in all things glorified. Otherwise, one who knows what is right yet fails to perform it will be beaten with many stripes. Luke 4.12.47 Why, you may ask, because he has failed to put his knowledge to good effect, but rather has imagined himself, I'm sorry, rather has imagined mischief upon his bed. Psalms 36.4 Like a wicked servant, he has turned aside to seize the glory which his own knowledge assured him belonged only to his good Lord and Master. It is plain, therefore, that dignity without wisdom is useless and that wisdom without virtue is accursed. And when one possesses virtue, then wisdom and dignity are not dangerous, but blessed. But blessed. Such a man calls on God and lauds him like applaud, laud, L-A-U-D-S, confessing from a full heart, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. Psalms 115.1, which is to say, O Lord, we claim no knowledge, no distinction for ourselves. All is thine since from thee all things do come. But we have digressed too far in the wish to prove that even those who know not Christ are, are sufficiently admonished by the natural law and by their own endowments of soul and body to love God for God's own sake. To sum it all up, what 
infidel does not know that he has received light, air, food, all things necessary for his own body's life, from him alone who giveth food to all flesh. Psalms 1, 3, 6, 0.25, who maketh his son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust, said Matthew 5.45, who is so impious as to attribute the peculiar eminence of humanity to any other except him who saith in Genesis, let us make man in our, capital O, image after our, capital O, likeness. Genesis 1, 26. Who else could be the bestower, with capital B, of wisdom, but he, with capital H, that teacheth man knowledge. Who else could be the bestower of wisdom but he that teacheth man knowledge? Psalms 94.10 Who else could bestow virtue except the Lord of virtue? Therefore, even the infidel who knows not Christ, but does at least know himself, is bound to love God for God's own sake. He is unpardonable if he does not love the Lord his God with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his mind for his own innate justice and common sense cry out from within that he is bound wholly to love God from him who has received all things. But it is hard. Nay, rather, it is impossible for a man by his own strength or in the power of free will to render all things to God from whom they came without rather turning them aside. Each to his own account. Even as it is written, quote, from Philippians 2.21, quote, for all seek their own. And again, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. All the way in Genesis 8.21. End of chapter 2.
three. What greater incentive? What greater incentives Christians have, more than the heathen, to love God? The faithful know how much need they have of Jesus, and Him, crucified. But though they wonder and rejoice at the ineffable love made manifest in Him, they are not daunted at having no more than their own poor souls to give in return for such great. And condescending charity. They love all the more because they know themselves to be loved so exceedingly. But to whom little is given, the same loveth little. Luke seven forty seven. Neither Jew nor pagan feels the pang of love. As doth the church, which saith, "Stay with me, stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love." Canticles two five. She beholds King Solomon, with the crown wherewith her mother crowned him in the day of his、uh, espousals. She sees the soul begotten of the Father, bearing the heavy burden of His cross. She sees the Lord of all power and might bruised and spat upon. <clears throat> the Author of life and glory, transfixed with nails. Smitten by the lance, overwhelmed with mockery, and at last laying down his precious life for his friends. Contemplating this, the sword of love pierces through her own soul. Also, she cried aloud, "Stayed me with flagons." Comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. Oh, I don't know what I'm reading anymore. Okay, we'll be back. Contemplating, contemplating, this, the sword of love, pierces, through, her own soul, also, and she cried aloud. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. The fruits, which the spouse. With capital S, gathers from the T L, tree of life. In the midst of the garden, of her capital B beloved, are pomegranates.
Canticles 4.13, borrowing their taste from the bread of heaven and their color from the blood of Christ. She sees death dying and its author overthrown. She beholds captivity, led captive from hell to earth, from earth to heaven. So, to quote Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. End quote. The earth under the ancient curse brought forth thorns and thistles, but now the church beholds it laughing with flowers and restored by the grace of a new benediction. Mindful of the verse. Quote, My heart danced for joy, and in my song will I praise him. She refreshes herself with the fruits of his passion. Capital H, capital P. <gasps> H.P. Harry Potter. His passion, which she gathers from the tree of the cross. And with the flowers of his resurrection. HR, human resources. Oh, yeah. His resurrection. Whose fragrance invites the frequent visits of her spouse. Then it is that he exclaims, Behold, thou art fair, my beloved, ye pleasant. Also our bed is green. Canticles 1.16 She shows her desire for his coming, and whence she hopes to obtain it, not because of her own merits, but because of the flowers of that field which God hath blessed. Christ, who willed to be conceived and brought up in Nazareth, that is, the town of Branches, Nazareth, Branches, yeah, Jewish for branches? Yeah. The Christ who willed to be conceived and brought up in Nazareth, that is the town of branches, the lights in such blossoms, pleased by such heavenly fragrance, the bridegroom rejoices to revisit the heart's chamber when he finds it adorned with fruits and decked with flowers. That is, 
meditating on the mystery of his passion or on the glory of his resurrection. The tokens of the passion we recognize as the fruitage of the ages of the past appearing in the fullness of time during the reign of sin and death. Galatians 4, 4, says 8. But it is the glory of the resurrection in the new springtime of regenerating grace that the fresh flowers of the later age come forth, whose fruit shall be given without measure at the general resurrection. General resurrection? When time shall be no more. And it is also written, uh uh-huh, quote, Canicles 2.11, F. The winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, signifying that summer has come back with him who dissolves icy death into the spring of a new life and says, Behold, 1 Corinthians, nope, sorry, Revelations 21, 5, or watch Chronicles of Narnia. Which part? Uh, the wardrobe. Oh, my, big bears and fawns. Yes. Behold, I make all things new. <laughs> Revelations 21, 5. How many fingers do you see? Five! Hey, what's up? If you type hey, you see five fingers. Hey! His body sown in the spring of a new life and says, Behold. No, wait. His body sown. His body with a capital B. B means what? Body. Like somebody. Once told me life was just a party and ain't in a um, Okay, that's the next song break. Can you remind? Can somebody remind me? Thanks. His body sown in the grave. There's a song in there. Has blossomed in the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15.42 And in the manner, in like manner, and in this like manner of the body being sown in the grave, being blossomed in the resurrection, and in like manner, our valleys and fields, which are barren or frozen, as of dead, glow, glowing, glow bugs, glow, glow, there's a song there too, glow, with reviving life and warmth, like a bonfire, like a bonfire, s'mores, graham crackers, hello, marshmallows, hello, and chocolate. End of page six. All right, song break. Somebody, we're going to pick up right at page seven. The Father of Christ, who makes all things new, is well pleased with the freshness Freshness, somebody, right, Dewey? 
Fre dewy freshness, hello. Zest fully clean. The freshness of those flowers and fruits and the beauty of the field that breathes forth such heavenly fragrance. And he says in benediction, See the smell of my son is as the smell. Well, we'll be back. We have a we have a song break. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're gonna pick up page seven. I need a song break. Alright, state your name and power. I am the Waffler. With my griddle of justice, I bash the enemy in the head, or I burn them like so. Nick. Hi. Uh, I am Pencil Head. And I am son of Pencil Head. We erase crime. Two generations of... Right. Yes, thank you. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Bet to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb. Judging by the hole in the satellite picture, the ice we skate is getting. 
Welcome to a new month, September, first day of 2022. The Father of Christ, who makes all things new, is well pleased with the freshness of those flowers and fruits and the beauty of the field which breathes forth such heavenly fragrance and says in benediction, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. In Genesis 27, 27, blessed to overflowing indeed, since of his fullness have all we received. John, first chapter, room 16. But the bride may come when she pleases and gather flowers and fruits therewith to adorn the inmost recesses of her conscience, that the bridegroom, when he cometh, may find the chamber of her heart redolent with perfume. So it behooves us, if we would have Christ for a frequent guest, to fill our hearts with faithful meditations on the mercy he showed in dying for us and on this his mighty power in rising again from the dead. To this David testified when he sang, God spake once and twice I have also heard the same. That power belongeth to God, unto God, and that Thou, Lord, art merciful. Okay, I can't, right? I can't just tune off the hook, whatever. Psalm 62, 11, I'm sorry, I can't carry a tune. Knuckles. And surely there is proof enough and to spare in that Chris, Chris died for our sins and rose again for our justification and ascended into heaven that he might protect us from on high. Hey, what's up? Hi. And sent the Holy Spirit for our comfort. Who else are praying for? My pillow. It's comfortable. After all, hereafter, he will come again for the consummation of our bliss. In his death, he displayed his mercy and his resurrection, his power both combine to manifest his glory. Ooh, say it again, Sam. And sent the Holy Spirit for our comfort. Hereafter, he will come again 
for the consummation of our bliss. In his death, he displayed his mercy. In his resurrection, his power. Both mercy and power combine to manifest his glory. Glory! The bride desires to be stayed with flagons and comforted with apples. Girls just wanna have fun. Oh, girls just wanna have, they wanna have. When the world can get it right, oh, girls, they wanna have fun. Oh, girls just wanna have with flagons and apples because she knows how easily the warmth of love can languish and grow cold. It's my party and I cry if I want to, cry if I want to, cry if I want to. You would cry too if it happened to you. But such Helps are only until she has entered into the bride chamber. There she will receive his long desired caresses, even as she sighs. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. Canticles 2-6. Then she will perceive how far the embrace of the right hand excels all sweetness, and that the left hand with which he at first caressed her cannot be compared to it. She will understand what she has heard. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. What'd you say, John? I don't know. Good at the sixth floor. I'll meet you in room 63. She will prove what she hath read. My memorial is sweeter than honey, and mine inheritance than the honeycomb. Ecclesiastes, 24th floor, room 20. What is written elsewhere? Where? Psalms, 145 of them. (laughs) Room 7. That many floors? Oh, floor me, baby. The memorial of thine abundant kindness shall be shown. Show me the meaning, oh, backstreet, of being lonely. Boom, boom. Oh, boys. Backstreet boys. Oh, yeah. 
refers doubtless to those of whom the psalmist had said just before, One generation shall praise, praise, no revenge, please. One generation, uh huh, shall praise, uh huh, thy works unto another and declare thy power, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, Emperor's new groove. Psalm 145, floor still, but room four. Cheers. Among us on the earth, there is his memory. But in the kingdom of heaven, his very presence. How do you spell presence? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that, with a capital P, presence, is the joy of those who... Who have already attained to, to, B E. How do you spell that? What? B A U T U D. Beatitude? Beatitude with one T. Oh, that's a beaut. The memory is the comfort of us who are still wayfarers, yachts, surfers, surf suits, journeying towards. The capital F, Fatherland. Fatherland! Oh, yeah. Motherland meets Fatherland. What's up? Up! Something's up. Okay, I gotta go. Bye. You're too much. You're too much. Dude, I don't know if I can do this right now with a straight face. <laughs> Whoa, let's go. What's up? I don't know. Let's read a little bit. See what we feel like. All right. Chapter four. For those who will find comfort in their collection of God. How full is your cup? Huh? Or are fittest for his love. But it will be well to note what class of people takes comfort in the thought of God. Surely not that perverse and crooked generation to whom it is said, Woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Unquote. Luke, 6th floor, 24 room. Uh, th rather, those who can say with truth, My soul refuseth comfort. Psalm 77. Mm, lots of forgiveness needed in room 2. Room 2! For it is meat, M-E-E-T, for those. For it is meat that those who are not satisfied by the present should be sustained by the thought of the future. And that, and that what? And that the, the contemplation of eternal happiness should console those who scorn to drink from the river of transitory joys. That is the generation of them who seek the Lord, even of them that seek not their own, but the face of God of Jacob, of the God of Jacob. To them that long for the presence of the living God, the thought of him is sweetest itself. But there is no satiety, rather an ever-increasing appetite, even as the scripture bears witness, they that eat me shall yet be hungry. 
Ecclesiastes, 24th floor, room 21. And if the one and hungered spake, when I awake after thy likeness, I shall be satisfied with it. And quote, ye blessed even now are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they and they alone shall be filled woe to you wicked and perverse generation woe to you foolish and abandoned people who hate Christ's memory and dread his second advent ah well may you fear who will not now seek deliverance from the snare of the hunter because oh you say they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts in first timothy 69 no yes it looks like a yin yang 6.9 sixth floor ninth room in that day, we shall not escape the dreadful sentence of condemnation. Mm. Depart from me, ye cursed, and into everlasting fire. Matthews twenty-five, forty-one. Oh, dreadful sentence indeed. Oh, hard saying. How much harder to bear than that other saying which we repeat daily in church. In memory of the passion. <laughs> Whosoever drinketh my flesh and eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, said John in the sixth floor, 54th room. That signifies whoso honors my death and ever after my example mortifies his members which are up upon the earth. What? Say again. That signifies whosoever honors my death and after my example mortifies his members which are upon the earth. Colossians 3, 5 shall have eternal life. Clear, even as the apostles says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Get it? Second Timothy's two twelve. I'm in the eye of the storm. Focus on me, not on the storm. Unquote from my picture that I look at on my phone every day. And yet. Many even today recoil from these words and go away, saying by their action, if not by their lips, read with their lips, read my lips. Remember that one? Or this one. This is hard to say. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? John 6, 60. Yeah. Eat what? Flesh what? Cut up what? Bloody what? Oh, sushi. Hey, $5 Wednesdays at Sushi Smith's. A generation that set not their heart aright 
and whose spirit cleaveth not steadfastly unto God. Psalms 78, 8. But chooseth rather to trust in uncertain riches. Yeah. Stack market. Certificates. Derivatives. Shorts. Longs. Forex. It is disturbed at the very name of the cross and counts the memory of the passion intolerable. How can such sustain the burden of that fearful sentence which says in Luke 20:18, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Huh? You want to be with them? Go ahead. Moantaya. On whosoever that stone fall, it will grind him into powder. You really want to work 24-7? Luke 2018. You really want to sell your hours for that paper, tissue, stuff? Burn, baby, burn. But the psalmist 112.2 quotes, The generation of the blessed shall be blessed. Go ahead, do it. Since, like the apostle, they labor that whether present or absent, they will be accepted of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, where they have baths in Rome, like Roman Catholic. All right, great. Roman Republic, great. At the last day, they too shall hear the judge pronounce their award. Like in Matthews twenty five thirty four, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In that they, those who set not their heart aright, will feel too late how easy is Christ's yoke. How easy, easy is Christ's yoke. All right, but not all other yokes to which they would not bend their necks. And how light his burden, all right? They want to make mooncakes with two yokes on you. In comparison, dude, that's a little too much yoke. I like a little bit more bean, thanks. In comparison with the pains they must then endure. Purgatory. Oh, wretched slaves of mammon with capital M. You cannot glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ while you trust in treasures laid upon earth. You cannot taste and see how gracious the Lord is while you are hungering for gold. If you have not rejoiced at the thought of his coming, that day will be indeed a day of wrath for you or to you, to you. A day of wrath to you. But the believing soul longs and faints for God. She rests sweetly in the contemplation of him. She glories in the reproach of the cross. Until the glory of his face shall be revealed. Like the bride, the dove of Christ. 
that is covered with silver wings. Psalms sixty-eight thirteen, white with innocence and purity, she reposes in the thought of thine abundant kindness, Lord Jesus, and above all she belongs, or that long, and above all, she longs for that day. When the joyful splendor of thy saints, gleaming with the radiance of the BV, beatific vision, her feathers shall be like gold, splendent with the joy, golden joy of thy countenance. Gold reflects the radiance of the sun, people. Hello. Remember, like when they reflected the shield? And the whole army got blinded, and the earth opened up and swallowed them. Somewhere around Jericho. Rightly then she exulted. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. The left hand signifies the memory of that matchless love, which moved him to lay down his life for his friends. And the right hand is the beatific vision which he hath promised to his own and the delight they have in his presence. The psalmist sings rapturously, At my right hand there is pleasure for evermore. Psalm 1611. So we are warranted in explaining the right hand as that divine and deifying joy of his presence. Rightly, too, is that wondrous and ever-memorable love symbolized as his left hand, upon which the bride rests her head until iniquity be done away with, for he sustains the purpose of her mind, lest it should be turned aside to earthly carnal desires. For the flesh Wars against the spirit. As in the book of wisdom, chapter 9, 15, the corruptible body presseth down the soul, and the earthly tabernacle weigheth down the mind that museth upon many things. What could result from the contemplation of compassion so marvelous and so undeserved, favor so free and so well attested, kindness so unexpected, clemency so unconquerable, grace so amazing, except the soul shall withdraw from all sinful affections, reject all that is inconsistent with God's love, and yield herself wholly to heavenly things? No wonder it is that bride moveth by the perfume of these unactions. Run swiftly, all on fire with love, yet reckons herself, herself as loving all too little in return for the bridegroom's love. And rightly, 
since it is no greater matter that a little dust should be all consumed with love of that majesty which loveth her first and which revealed itself wholly bent on saving her. Quote, For God so loveth the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 And before we go, last thing. This sets forth the Father's love. Quote from Isaiah 53, 12. He hath poured out his soul unto death. This is what the son of Isaiah wrote. This was written of the son. And the Holy Spirit, it is said, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 14, 26. It is plain, therefore, that God loves us and loves us with all his heart. For the Holy Trinity altogether loves us. If we may venture so to speak of the infinite and incomprehensible Godhead who is essentially one End of chapter 4, at the end of page 9, we will pick up with chapter 5 on the page 10. Thank you. Good night.